helping the kids out of their coats The way the babies haven't been born Welcome to Teacher Besties, a podcast for teachers. I'm Jamie. And I'm Kelly. On this week's agenda, teachers who moonlight in the very expensive Bay Area, teachers who pay teachers for their lesson plans, and we will also talk about a new bar in Philadelphia that is um, housed in an old school site. That sounds great. So tell me about your week. Oh my God, this week I was feeling kind of like I was mediocre at life. Oh. Um, mostly because I was just really overwhelmed with everything. I had some poor life planning. So I went out of town for um, Labor Day weekend with some of my really good girlfriends who um, we meet up like once a year. We get together for a big trip. So that's a positive. Super positive. Love it. But it was, you know, you're gone all weekend. So then you feel really overwhelmed when you get back in the classroom. And then um, I had back to school night on Thursday, which also was great and positive, but another overwhelming thing. And then I planned a housewarming party at my house for the following Saturday. So I was just like, ah, I'm not good at life right now. <laughs> or you got everything done and you're awesome at life. Yeah, it may have appeared that way, but I just felt really like, I don't know, like consumed by everything that was going on. Like I couldn't focus on one thing. Yeah, I definitely understand that. Yeah. How was your week? My week was good. Um, positive. It was a four-day week. Uh, we're on a modified block, so we didn't have the weird modified day. We just had block days all week, which is kind of fun. I could see why people like it. Yeah. Um, I had a going-away party for a student that moved, which was sad, but also really happy at the same time because he's not Aww. even my student anymore, and he came to tell me he was leaving. And then we had a party for him. That's great. How did it go? Did a lot of your former students show up? Uh, A lot of former students came. A lot of kids who I had no idea who they were came. Um, The student who left brought these huge, I think they're Costco-sized boxes of Capri Sun. So now I have a a huge box just sitting in my room. Don't really drink that or know what to do with it. Give it to kids. They'll love it. I've slowly been handing them out, but, but I'm selective. Of course. <laughs> and did that kid did that kid feel um you know like a little bit more confident about moving or yeah, I did think it just so. make um, it worse? I think it's bittersweet. Like he understands why he has to go, his dad's retiring. Uh but at the same time um it's it's really hard, especially if you've lived somewhere your whole life. I couldn't imagine moving. Yeah, and he's a sophomore, right? Yeah. So He's leaving the community that he's gone to school with his whole life. And also all of his brothers who we had as students went to that same school system. Yeah. Oh, such a bummer. I know. But yeah, bittersweet is the right word. Yeah, it definitely is. But I'm looking forward to this week because I have my first training of the year on Tuesday. What was it about? I'm not 100% sure. <laughs> <laughs> That's not a good thing. They change it. They say it's like a three-year social studies, like try to incorporate Common Core and then digital literacy. And you know that I'm very digitally literate. So sometimes I go and I'm a little bored, but I, I'm, I'm working on looking for the positive. So I'm excited to learn something new. Right. And uh, I heard from my department chair that maybe they're going to teach us how to do 
a more structured Socratic seminar. And not that I've never done one before, but I would be curious to know what a structured one looks like. Me too, actually, because I do them all the time and they're just things I make up. <laughs> yeah, I, mine are all made up, but I call them Socratic seminars. I like look up Socratic questioning. That's what I look up, but not necessarily how it act. Like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I usually call them fishbowl discussions, mostly because I don't want to sell them as Socratic seminars and then have like someone call me on it and be like, this is actually not the method that Socrates used. But, you know, it's the same kind of idea. Absolutely. I mean, I've only done them with seniors. I've never tried it with freshmen. Um, I would be super curious to see what happened. I did it with freshmen last year and uh, they loved it, ate it up. They would beg for it. (laughs) Um, but last year's freshman class, they were some really awesome kids. Yeah. Well, but I will say that that's an activity that like all levels can work at. And, um, once they have the confidence to speak up, you know, that's the hardest part. Um, if you, if you, and also I always make it like a grade, a big grade that they have to talk. So, um, once they build that confidence, it can work, it can differentiate itself. Yeah. Tomorrow for my AP class, I spent like an hour putting this together. I hope I'm a little excited slash nervous about it. I took Mm -hmm. samples of their writing, which I know that you show students their own writing all the time. But I always get nervous that someone's going to just be embarrassed because we tear it apart. Uh, But I put them all on a PowerPoint and they're all anonymous. And I have literally a sample from every single person in the class going up there. That's awesome. And we're going to grade it based on the AP rubric and... I'll let you know how that goes. AP kids totally respond to that. I would say that when you put um, kids who are maybe not as competitive or as confident um, up there, I always preface it by saying this is a piece of your classmates' work that is in this room. So remember that when you're talking about it. And then I also tell those kids, like, in front of the whole class, I say, like, you don't have to admit that this is yours. Oh, yeah. I So So. the way I did it is I took it from Drive – And I put it in a Word document, and then I mixed it all up so I didn't know whose samples were whose. Oh, great. And I just picked some high, medium, and lows for each one, like several of them. That's good. Yeah. Um, Okay, so another thing I wanted to say was that my back-to-school night went really well. Yeah, what was good about it? Um, Well, I think it's just like I always try to keep it positive, Um, I was a little worried about asking for really small donation type things this year, which did you you know, kind of, I did, I asked for Kleenex to be donated and I also asked for post-its and, you know, anything else like that, that you have lying around the house. But I mean, I totally understand the idea that an education should be free and I'm not at all advocating for students to have to buy these things, but I mean, you know, the reality is when they have to blow their nose, like if you don't have, you know, a year long supply of Kleenex for kids, it's miserable for them. Absolutely. And I mean, not just miserable for them, for the people sitting around them, for your tables. And unless they give us a a, like a thousand dollar bonus per year to go buy those basic supplies for our students, I don't see a problem with asking for donations. Yeah, and I mean, I definitely don't expect the kids who money is really tight for them at home to do it, but I think that when you work at a school that has um, a differentiated economic um, student body, like then you should maybe ask because it helps everybody. Oh, absolutely. I so I'm hoping to get some Kleenex out of it. I don't know if I will, but I'm hoping to. 
Well, let me know who brings stuff in. I'd be curious. Yeah. Parents were very positive, so I was happy about that. Do you want to talk about our first article? Uh, yeah. You, you sent it to me, the cartoon? Yeah. Okay. So it's from The Atlantic. Um, I think I found it on Reddit Education because I do that. Uh, <laughs> I also. Oh my God. I just went on a rant this week about how if Reddit is the only place that you're getting your news, that you need to step up your game to students because oh. I told them that there are some very disturbing things on Reddit and that that cannot be their only news source. So it's not and my only news source. <laughs> no, I know, but. <laughs> I had like a whole thing this week where I was like teaching kids like you need to start being discerning, you know, readers and yeah. people that get into the news. And that was one of my things that I, I slammed. Sorry. That's OK. So not only do I follow education, but I also follow teachers. And then there's one for history teachers. And oh. I think there there's like lots of subreddits for different types of teachers. And it's very interesting. I know you don't read it, so. That's okay. No, I'll try. It sounds good. No, I, I only read. I only used Reddit for cereal, and even then, it was for like fifteen minutes. <laughs> I tried to get my sister into it, who's like very internet. She reads all of the internet, and she said she just didn't have time for it. Oh wow! Yeah, slam. <laughs> but that was several years ago, and every now and then she mentions it, and I'm like, yeah, it's fun to try, see what happens. Yeah. But, okay, so tell, okay. tell us what the cartoon was like. So it's from the Atlantic. Uh, it's called Teachers Who Moonlight, and the byline is in Silicon Valley. Educators struggle to find a place to live. Uh, and so it's about this cartoonist who also works at a supermarket, and he has teacher friends who also work at the supermarket with him because that's their extra job because they need it to be able to survive. Uh, the cartoon's quite cute. Uh, it's done very well, and it, it, it's sad because it's, it's like a couple, they got married, they're both teachers, they thought they could be middle class and buy a house, but then the next one is uh, Bay Area houses are for millionaires. Um, and yeah, it actually says, um, we thought that we'd at least get to remain in the middle class and hoped eventually to afford a modest house. In today's Bay Area, however, modest is for millionaires. And it shows like a little tiny house that looks like mine and... You know, I can definitely tell you that depending on the neighborhood, that house would be a million dollars. Yeah, um, I totally agree. And uh, what caught my eye is I used to live in Santa Clara, and uh, near me was uh, Santa Clara Unified Subsidized Teacher Housing. And it's a oh. beautiful little complex. I think it's, I don't know what it's called. I can't remember that. Uh, but they mentioned it in the article. So Oakland and Santa Clara Unified both have teacher subsidized housing because... You can't we can't afford, afford to it. live here. Yeah. My school district, I don't know if you've ever looked online, they actually have not through the not through the district, but they try to help you find housing. Oh wow, I never knew that. Uh but if you click on the link, it hasn't been updated in several years. Oh wow. Um and one time with a colleague, I went to go look apartment hunting with him and mm -hmm. we went to like I think what is it called? Section nine. Section eight. Section eight. Thank you. Sorry. Uh, it's okay. And You're not from California. No, I'm not. <laughs> uh, that, that we don't even qualify for it as teachers. We make too much money for low-income housing. Yeah. We're kind of in that, like, really bad zone where, you know, we make too much money to qualify for something like that, but not enough to actually live or buy a home or have, you know, a middle-class life that probably our degrees should 
allow us to. Yeah. So teachers who are married to other teachers, power through, be strong. Be strong. Well, I thought that something interesting that this cartoon brought up was the idea of, like, what is the solution to this problem, oh, especially yeah. in that the Bay Area, positive. right? Well, because, like, I, I mean, I, it seemed to suggest that essentially projects for teachers were the solution. But then I thought, wouldn't offering some form of subsidized housing that's not just like, hey, let's segregate all the teachers into an apartment complex and that's where you get to live, but rather like some form of loan help or some form of down payment help or subsidize something, you know, because... Otherwise, it just ends up being, hey, teachers, let's move you all into this, like, apartment complex, and I hope that you're happy with that. But well, there otherwise- is ways to subsidize stuff. My first year of teaching when I taught English, alternative ed English, um, mm-hmm. because that was considered a high-need area, they paid, like, a certain amount of money to me toward my student loans per year. So Oh, that's nice. Yeah, no, that was really great. Um, but... Uh, that definitely doesn't exist for housing. I forgot how the last cartoon little box ended. It's that the pe- you should just go live in your classroom. Oh, yeah. It was like, oh, instead of building these teacher hoods, which is the words that the cartoonist used, uh, no new construction, no increasing teacher pay, no commute, just move into your classroom. Yeah. Wasn't there um, several years ago an article that there was a teacher living in a mattress in their classroom? In s- that would not shock me. I mean, first of all, who would even know the janitor? Like if you worked out a deal with your janitor, they would be like, (laughs) whatever. Um, if you had a pull out sofa in your room, nobody would say anything because they wouldn't know it pulled out. I mean, (laughs) I mean, I wouldn't sleep in my classroom. It's scary in there at night. Uh, but I could, other people have nicer rooms than me. There's probably pretty good security, though. I mean, think about, like, if you've ever been on campus and accidentally called in the code and then, like, you know, the alarm goes off. Yeah. There's also motion detectors in classrooms, so I don't know if it would work at my school. Hmm. That would be a bummer. I was considering moving in. Oh. (laughs) I'm sure your kid will be really happy with that. Yeah, I know. I don't think there's room for a family. Hmm. There's barely enough room for my 38 desks. Oh, my God. 38. (laughs) Yeah. I only Teacher have 36. Oh. Well, actually, mm, maybe I got to get rid of two, so I'll take it back. 36. <sighs> anyway. Uh, yeah. Silicon Valley Bay Area issues. Right. The struggle. Right. Since some teachers are uh, bagging groceries, I'll turn this into a fabulous little segue into how you can make money off of stuff you already have to do. Yes. Um, so I guess I was completely unaware of this website called Teachers Pay Teachers. I had heard um, of it, but never used it. Yeah. And I r- finally read about it because one of my colleagues was featured in the New York Times and I was super impressed. And so I, am too. I clicked on it. I read the article and essentially, um, you know, one of the English teachers in my department has garnered some form of following on, um, this website teacher pays teachers and I think she told me that her husband suggested it and she sells her lesson plans online and uh, the it did not say whether or not she has made this much money and I have not asked her um but it did say that a certain percentage of teachers have made like something like over a hundred thousand dollars on their website yeah, selling 300 this teachers have earned more than a hundred thousand dollars and 12 teachers wow. have become millionaires 
Whoa. I want to know who those 12 teachers are so I can become friends with them. <laughs> I So after reading, after you sent me this article, uh, I was talking to one of our teacher friends, and I don't know if he wants his name mentioned. So, uh, you know, the guy I talk to all the time. Right, uh, that guy. And <laughs> he, uh, I was like, I kind of want to do this. I think I might put some of my stuff up on there. And basically I was like, do you really think that what I have is good enough? And he was, he, he gave me a little pep talk. So I think I'm going to try it. I definitely think our materials are good enough. Something I noticed, though, about the materials that um, my colleague posts that have sold a lot um, is that they're, like, very visually graphic and very, um, you know, like, there's something about them that I think, like, I tend to just create things that are organized in a in a good way but probably don't take a lot of printing ink, you know, because I'm always on the budget. Yeah. But, um her things looked like she had some sort of a designer work on them. And so I was really impressed. Well, they don't have to be, I mean, pretty is always better. Fine. That's not true. Pretty is great, but they don't always, they don't have to be over the top beautiful. They can just be aesthetically pleasing with a nice font and a simple layout. Agreed. I mean, I think that the things that made her, um, her stuff sell was that they were, creative, interesting things, but which also maintain some form of rigor. So like an example that they put in the article was she has this one thing, one um, lesson that's called whose cell phone is this? And it's about fictional characters. And I've done something very similar where I used to do um, like create a playlist for Atticus Finch or something like that. And then you would have to, in your analysis for each song, like justify why the lyrics or the tone or you know, I would use other literary terms, but apply it to music. And then you'd have to analyze how does that convey the characterization of so-and-so. So it's fun, it's creative, but it is also ultimately like, you know, getting down to the nitty gritty of analysis. Yeah. I'm not sure if that would work in my class. I feel like my classes don't translate to those really fun kind of things because there's a lot of historical fact involved. But uh, last week I played this game called Guess Where. Uh, (laughs) And did I tell you about this? No, tell me. Uh, So I teach the five themes of geography. Uh, If you don't know them, they are place, location, regions, human environmental interaction, and movement. Uh, And so a lot of kids are like, oh, geography, that's maps. No, it's a lot more than maps. It's about people and the world and how everyone interacts. And uh, anyway, so what they did is I handed out an index card with a location on it. Let's say, for example, you got Sydney, Australia. So you had to go through and tell me different themes for Sydney, but you couldn't say Sydney Opera House as an example for place, because then the people doing the gallery walk wouldn't be able to guess like they would, they would know that you had Sydney. So you could put a very famous opera house, but mm-hmm. not Sydney. And so right. there was a gallery walk and then they all had to try to guess what the other thing was. And like, I want to put that on teachers for teachers, but at the oh, same time. Oh, you could time, totally do it. You just have to organize it. And the other thing is you could probably create um, some form of slideshow, PowerPoint, Prezi, whatever it is that you put up there that goes with it. And that's the tool that teachers need. Exactly. So don't sell yourself short. You're amazing. Thank you. So my favorite thing about this article, sorry, I don't know if like I wrote yes, exclamation point next to it when I was reading this, is (laughs) that teachers pay teachers is Etsy for education. That just made me smile so much. Well, oh, that's so cute. (laughs) Um, Okay. The other thing that I do want to say about this is that it's not just I think teachers who 
are like, I want to make money off of the stuff. I think it's a lot more about, um, this idea that in, especially in certain, um, certain focuses, you spend so much time developing this curriculum. And there are times where you just think, man, I am reinventing the wheel, or I came up with this brilliant idea and I want to share it with someone else. And so if you're in the, I am reinventing the wheel, you know, category, you can maybe decide whether or not it's worth a dollar to save your time and buy it from someone else. And if you have this amazing thing that you actually think is original that you came up with, then you can make a little cash off of it. Absolutely. And uh, a lot of things on there, the article says, are for free too. I would post stuff for free. Yeah, exactly. I I think that's key to getting a little bit of a following who will pay for it because I noticed that my colleague has a number of free things on there and then they sort of link to things that you pay for as well. Interesting. I definitely have to look her up and perhaps peruse the site and see what I can find. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to try to harass her in the nice way. Um, (laughs) If she's listening, she can totally decline. But I would love to have her on our podcast as a guest because she also has this really brilliant idea that I'm going to try to implement in my classroom, which I am not going to talk about now until I know whether or not she'll come on the show. Okay, well, I'm looking forward. I guess you'll tell me about it off air to what that's all about. Definitely. All right. So teachers pay teachers or teachers for teachers. Uh, teachers, it's teachers pay teachers. Oh, good. I got it right the first time. Yeah, you got it. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to try it. I'm going to make it my goal to like, you know, put a few things up there and see what happens. All right. So we should, maybe that will be our next month's goal. So in two podcasts from now, we'll have something posted and, uh, we can talk about that. Look at you putting our goals out there. So we have to stick to them. I know. Uh, (laughs) Sorry. We are so type A. It's ridiculous. A little. (laughs) I sent you this thing this week. Where was it? Um, From the owl? Is that how you pronounce that? The all, like the tool. A-W-L. Yeah. I thought it was like, I don't know what I thought it was. (laughs) No, it's okay. I think it's unfamiliar to most, unless you're like, you know, a snooty media person. (gasps) Is this by the same guy, Andrew Thompson? Did we have another article by him recently? I'm not sure, but... Perhaps because my husband feeds us some of these things and he reads a lot of things on the all. Okay. Um, so actually, credit to my husband. Um, he sent me this article about a bar in Philadelphia that has moved in. Actually, this woman who's a developer, she purchased from one of the failing Philadelphia school districts. She purchased one of their high schools, the entire campus, um, so that... Uh, well, so that she could turn it into like, you know, a mixed use space. And she has taken over the rooftop and created a bar. And a restaurant. And a restaurant. The rest of the space, I think, has yet to be developed. But I think she has all sorts of um, hipster ideas for it. Um, It's at Bach Technical High School in Philadelphia. Apparently, it has one of the best views of Philadelphia in uh, from that rooftop. So what do we think about this? Uh, So I first read it and I was like, that's so cool. I would go there to eat. And then I thought about it more and then I got really sad. Um, Mainly because I think something we've definitely talked about before is how much I value and also you value technical educations. And then it closed the school because of budget cuts. I think there was like a billion dollar deficit or something. Do you remember that number? 
It also closed because of the growing charter school movement in Philadelphia. It cited that as well. So it cited um, that Philadelphia lost a lot of people, so, you know, attrition, but also that the charter schools are growing. And so with fewer students attending that um, district and them also being, you know, deeply in debt, they had to get rid of some of their campuses. Most of their campuses that they um, sold were failing, but this was one of the few that was like a successful campus. Yeah. And uh, well, it was entertaining. And also, I guess I'm going to say bittersweet again, because at one point it mentions that they're sitting uh, at this bar on the rooftop using those chairs that were downstairs in the classrooms and there were beaker labs on the table and the beaker labs were holding chalk and like you could draw on the tables because the tables were made out of chalk, which is so cool. Like I know you and I would definitely go to a place like this. Yeah. I mean, I love, I love the like classroom inspired look, right? Like it's like, oh great. But then exactly what you're saying. Like she definitely didn't buy those things. They came with her purchase of this property, which I mean, should the property's goal be to entertain adults? No. I mean, I guess it could be, (laughs) but. I know. And once, so once again, it was like, cool idea, sad reasoning for why you have this building. Um, I imagined that like hipsters will be playing some sort of intramural, um, you know, <laughs> Harry Potter inspired sport in the gymnasium on weekends and I going, going to like, you know, cheese tasting classes in the biology lab. Um, <laughs> all know, things I, that I would be guilty of doing, but also sad. So I guess I kind of, like most of my friends who no longer live in New York have moved to Philadelphia. Yeah. And um, Philadelphia is the new New York. Uh, not New York, but Brooklyn, like the cheap Brooklyn before. Ah, <laughs> uh, I see. <laughs> so I kind of like, I think I, I thought in my mind that, yeah, Philly is a great city. It's, it's beautiful. It's wealthy. I didn't really think about the people that had already lived there in Philadelphia and how perhaps, um, like I, I thought it was, I don't know. I didn't How expect- perhaps they were getting pushed out by the gentrifiers. Yeah, I didn't think about that. <laughs> and this article really, it made me take a step back. And and yeah. I had that moment where I, I, feel, I feel really bad. I, I just, I think technical schools are the best. And I know you and I both are, I think we've talked about this. I, I had home ec and tech ed when I was in middle school. And in high school, I didn't want to take those classes. But the options were there if I wanted to. Yeah, you know, this reminds me sort of a sidetrack, but... Um, uh, a, a friend of mine who's a vice principal in the East Bay told me that Oakland High School is starting something where every student has to be enrolled in some form of academy and they're going to be aligned with various college and career tracks and many of them are technical. And so, you know, obviously the overarching idea is that you graduate with some form of skill and certification as well. Yeah. But um, I think it's kind of cool that even though the college track has basically dominated our conversation in education lately that there is still some resurgence of technical education oh absolutely important my husband and I often joke but I think we're also very serious in that whatever future children we may have we want them to be a plumber or an electrician because they make hella money well and also (laughs) their jobs can't be outsourced right exactly I mean like our jobs I guess are hard to outsource it could Mm. happen like there could be internet I mean it exists already high school online oh yeah i mean the future is coming i already hear all the like 
sad dystopian theories about how we're going to have to be super teachers on YouTube or else die. Yeah, I will <laughs> definitely not do well with a YouTube channel. Apparently I can podcast though. Yeah, you can. Yeah. Um, okay, so one thing that I took away from the bar in Philly idea was maybe some sort of compromise would be nice if like say certain schools maybe could benefit from having that sort of an atmosphere at night or like renting out the space and locking it, you know, so that students couldn't access that wonderful rooftop. I thought about that for a minute. And then then, they could get a percentage of the proceeds. But it totally has to be illegal. Like they can't have a, a place where alcohol is served on camp. Like I thought, I really did. I was going to suggest that. And I was like, no, we can't do that. No, I'm sure A, you're right, and B, like on a high school campus, high school campuses are just constant in, constantly in use. Like they would definitely bump, against, bump up against a business. But, you know, you can dream. Yeah, absolutely. I can hear Dottie a little bit in the yeah, background. There's a dog barking <laughs> outside, and she, uh, she is not happy about that. That's okay. She's cute. Okay, you um, hear the no. she's she's learning yeah i did want to say end on kind of a positive oh i like positive endings okay so i had a feel-good moment of the week which was i received an email from a former student who is about to go off to college and he you know kind of gave me this like long letter or email about all of the things that he remembers from my classroom and all of the things that he really learned and, and loved. But the takeaway was he commented on this thing that I do in my class, which is I track every time a student speaks and I give them points. Mm -hmm. So I give them participation literally every time they speak. Awesome. And some students are very, you know, introverts sometimes are really don't like that, that I do that. Um, and some students don't understand why I make them do that. But he said that it made him realize that every student's voice mattered. And he said that he felt really valued in my classroom. And he also felt like he got to know all of the students in our room and that it felt like a family because we learned how to listen to one another. And we learned that, it's not okay for four people to speak for the whole group while everybody else just waits for them to speak. That's amazing. I I thought that was awesome. So thank you, student. If you're listening, you made me feel great. Oh, I guess I'll share my feel good moment too. I don't know if this is the same student, but (laughs) that would be really weird. Well, I didn't have this person as a student, but he was about to leave for school and he came by because he's friends with someone who was on campus and yeah. same kid. Oh, I think it is the same oh, kid. <laughs> he was like, he, he was like, I listened to your podcast and I was like, Oh, so shout out to you. You know who you are. Thanks for making us feel oh, good. Wow. Probably our one student listener. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, if you become a teacher, you'll totally understand everything we're talking about. And if we're still doing this in how many years would that be five for him to be a teacher? Feel free I to, so. can, you can come on and be our, our first graduate speaker. Oh, wow. That would be amazing. And that's a perfect note to end on. Uh, yeah. Let's remind people. Okay. Yeah. Let's remind people where you can find us. 
So um, you can find us, first of all, you can email us at teacherbesties at gmail.com if you want to send us a short email or a long one, whatever, something that suggests, you know, what we should talk about, questions, comments, really anything. You can also subscribe and listen to us on iTunes, search for Teacher Besties. And SoundCloud if you're a a non-Apple user. Um, And you can also find us at teacherbestiespodcast at tumblr.com. Awesome. So I'll talk to you later. Okay. Bye. Bye. Helping the kids out of their coats, but wait, the babies haven't been born.